Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. And we know the King James translation. This is the new King James. King James says, the spirit of man is a candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of man, our spirit, the lamp, the flashlight, the candle, Great Britain, the torch, searching all the inner depths of the heart. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. We magnify you and we bless you. We thank you, as always, for your blessed, holy, written word. We thank you for our ears to hear that word, our hearts to receive it, and our minds to be open to the glorious light of your word. We believe you today as a group for utterance in the Holy Spirit. Not only today, but every day should Jesus tarry throughout the coming days, weeks, months, and years to proclaim the truth of your word and makes people free. Thank you for utterance. We thank you, Father, that you're not a man to lie, nor the son of man to repent. What you said you'll do, what you spoke you'll make good. So we look to your word today to see what is spoken and see what is written and get it into our hearts. We thank you. We need no man to teach us. We're taught by your spirit who lives within us as Christians. We thank you, Father, that our preaching, teaching, witnessing, ministering isn't with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of your spirit and power, that our faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God. We thank you again, Father, that we can walk in freedom in a free country. We're free to speak, pray, preach, and teach your word without fear of retribution or reprisal. And we honor you today as we come before you. Thank you again. We believe you today, according to Mark eleven twenty four, for utterance in the Holy Spirit to proclaim that truth that makes people free. So we thank you, we plead the blood, speak the blood, apply the blood, appropriate the blood, sprinkle the blood over our lives and lives of our families. Thank you for the blood that still flows from Calvary. We honor you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we bless you. In Jesus' miraculous name, amen. Praise God. Well, just in a brief review of part four of our series... We talked last week about uh, the third way that the, the Lord leads us. Of course, the first way is the inward witness. Still a small voice would be number two. And a more authoritative voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit, number three. We saw uh, in, in Acts 10, 17 through 23, we saw three types of guidance there. Guidance by angels, guidance by vision, and of course, Guidance by the more authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we saw in 1 Samuel chapter 3 how the Lord spoke to the, to the child Samuel. He, you know, uh, didn't know. There wasn't any open vision at the time. He didn't know the voice of the Lord. But uh, Eli finally, after the third time, the priest Eli, who was his mentor, quote unquote, uh, told him, uh, answer him this time. He came and talked to Eli, of course, before that. And, and asked him why he called him. He said, I didn't call you. The third time he, he figured it out, and uh, he answered him. Of course, 
That's the more authoritative voice. Uh, you actually hear. Unlike the still small voice, you can generally hear that voice. You might be in a, in a place where you hear it and other people don't hear it. They probably won't hear it. You'll be speaking to you. So that's why we shouldn't seek voices. We talked about that. If you hear a voice, it, it, there's no problem with that. You may hear a voice. You may see an angel. We shouldn't desire to see angels. We'll know if we do most of the time. If we don't know, then we don't know if it's an angel or not, so it really doesn't make any difference. If you, if you see an actual angel in their actual form, you'll know. You'll know. You know, every time somebody saw an angel in the Bible, it seemed like they, it said that they were in fear. That's because they were bigger. They excel us in strength. They're, you know, uh, they're much different than we are, but they can come and look like us. So, you know, the devil's going to accommodate you if you seek these things. So, you know, we need to avoid that. Because, you know, Satan can transform, him, transfer himself, transform, transfer, whatever, appear as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians 11, 4. So, 11, 14, rather. So, we, you know, we don't want that. We're, we don't need that. We need to be led in those three ways. The main way he'll lead us, of course, is the inward witness. We said last week that feeling is the voice of the body. You know, if we go by feeling, then we're listening to the body. We're not listening to our spirit. We all have feelings. Some, some aren't good, some are, are okay. But, you know, you can't confuse a physical feeling with the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. You'll know in your inward man, your heart. We said that reason is the voice of the mind or the soulish realm. We can't be led by emotions or our will. Our mind, of course, is the gateway to the spirit. But we don't want to be led by our minds or, or in our emotions. Emotions aren't necessarily the leading of the spirit. You know, we're, we'll, there, there is a quote-unquote feeling when the Holy Spirit speaks to you in your heart, but it's not a feeling feeling like your body feels something. Uh, it, you, you can't reason these things out with your mind. But your mind, of course, is active. It's the soulish realm, mind, will, and emotions. So, you know, we, we have to learn to delineate these things. That's why we train our spirits. We're going to talk about that today. Conscience, we said, is the voice of our spirit. We saw that in our text. The spirit of man is the candle, the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of our hearts. And we can rely on our conscience once it's trained, once our spirit's trained, because the Holy Spirit lives within our spirit or our heart. The Holy Spirit is still speaking. We saw in John 16, 13 through 15, John 14, 26 and 27. He'll speak to us. He'll show us things to come. He teaches us. He's still speaking. We still need to be listening. Listening to the inward witness. He'll show us things to come. He'll help us prepare and operate in our calling to the best of our abilities. So, praise God. We, we said, I told you that Mark Hankins' father, B.B. Hankins, said that uh, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, I'll make you a genius. That doesn't mean a mental genius, a spiritual genius. So, we're going to talk today about training our spirits. Now, if any of you have read Brother Hagin's book, How to Be Led 
how you can be led by the Spirit of God, uh, I'm going to give you four steps that came from that book. I've read that book probably ten times, and, and I get something out of it every time I read it. And these steps are vital. And the first three make the fourth one active. So we're going to talk about that today. Look at it a little more in depth. Uh, training our human spirit. That's, it, it's important. We don't go from first grade to twelfth grade in, you know, in one day in school. Uh, if anybody figured it out, it's twelve years. It takes us to get through elementary, middle school, and high school. So you know, we, we think that we can train our spirits by reading you know, a couple of scriptures or listening a couple of messages that somebody preaches or, you know, e even just doing things on a, uh, you know, on a uh, casual basis. No, it, it, you know, it takes some activity. It takes some work. You know, you, you can't work your way into salvation, but you can work and do things in, in the Word, and we need to do that. If you look at um, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, We'll see something here. First step, of course, is meditating the Word of God. And we all get, not scared, but we all get hesitant when we talk about meditating the Word. Uh, we all think about, you know, transcendental meditation or some uh, nonsense like that, or, or you know, just uh, thinking something with our minds. Meditating in the Hebrew here, it means to mutter. It's the Hebrew word haga, to ponder by talking to oneself. And if you look at uh, Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law, and in New Testament people would say, This word of God shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, don't quit speaking it. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. You may observe to do. That's one of the, the uh, steps here, one of the four steps to do, but uh, we're going to talk about meditating first. To do all that's written in it, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. People that come against the quote-unquote prosperity message haven't read the Bible in its entirety and haven't studied it. If God didn't want us to be prosperous, he wouldn't tell us how. If he didn't want us to have good success, he wouldn't uh, give us scripture about have good, having good success. Uh, the last phrase there, uh, having good success, in one translation says, how to deal wisely in the affairs of life. Now, whether you believe in prosperity or not, whether you uh, believe in the quote-unquote prosperity message. Everybody wants to deal wisely in the affairs of life. Who wants to deal stupidly in the affairs of life? Or ignorantly, or if that's a word, or, or you know, in, a, in the wrong way in the affairs of life. Meditating the word is the first step in dealing wisely. And if you look at Psalm 1, we get the same thing. Psalm 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law, or the word of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. 
And as I said, that's the word haga in the Hebrew, uh, Strong's 1897, to reflect, to moan, to mutter, to ponder, to make a quiet sound, such as sighing. A lot of people sigh when they read the Word of God, but it's not, not to meditate because they don't uh, understand it with their heart. To meditate or contemplate something as one reports, repeats the words. Haga represents something quite unlike English meditation, which may be a mental exercise only. In Hebrew thought, to meditate upon the scriptures is to quietly repeat them in a soft droning sound while utterly abandoning outside distractions. And you, you go one step further, and I'm not suggesting you do this, but uh, from this tradition comes a specialized type of Jewish prayer called davening, or davening, that is reciting text, praying intense prayers, or getting lost in communion to God while bowing or rocking back and forth. Now, I've not seen anyone do that. I've not done it. You know, if you want to do it, you have a nice rocking chair, or, you know, if you prefer bowing. Evidently, this dynamic form of meditation prayer goes back to David's time. But the main thing we need to see is, is in Hebrew, it's to ponder by talking to yourself, speaking the Word of God, day and night, meditating the Word, not just thinking it, but speaking it, muttering it. It's different, as I said, than the English meditation, but it's the one we want to look at. Praise God. He goes on to say, he shall be, in verse 3, that person shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, or the channels of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Well, if you throw out the prosperity message, then uh, you don't, don't need to do anything about meditating the word. Just go on, you know, in poverty and lack and say that, you know, the, the word of God about prosperity is from the pit of hell. It's not. It's from the word of God. Verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Praise God. Meditating the word is step number one. Meditating the word. Speaking it. Pondering it to yourself. Muttering it. Number two is practicing the word. Practicing the word. Look at James chapter 1. And verse 22. Very familiar to us. If you start with verse 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. The King James says, Superfluity of naughtiness, overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, engrafted word, the King James says, which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you just hear the word and don't do it, don't practice it, you're self-deceived. You're deceiving yourself. Some people think that uh, being a doer of the word is doing the Ten Commandments. 
That's not what he's talking about here. This is a New Testament scripture. The only commandment we have in the New Testament is John 13, 34. A new commandment. I give you that you love one another. Love one another. As I've loved you, that you also love one another. A new commandment. That covers everything. Covers all the Ten Commandments. You're not going to lie if, if you're walking in love. You're not going to bear false witness against your neighbor. You're not going to uh, covet your neighbor's wife or husband or whatever if you're walking in love. You're not going to do anything against the Ten Commandments if you're doing that commandment, John 13, 34. So it's, you know, it's vital that we see these things. Practice the Word. Be a doer of the Word. Not a hearer only. So many hearers of the Word, thinkers of the Word, Brother Hagin says, but not as many doers. If you look at Philippians chapter 4, This is another uh, familiar portion of Scripture. Beginning with verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. King James says careful. That's a little misleading. It doesn't mean not to be careful about things. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. What's that word anxious mean? Well, you know, we, we know pretty much in English what it means. What's he talking about here? Be careful, be anxious for nothing. I'm going to read it to you in the Greek. I know you're anxious to hear that. It means, it's, it's the word Merimneo, from Marizo to divide into parts, the word suggests a distraction. A distraction. When you're anxious, you're distracted. A preoccupation with things causing anxiety, stress, and pressure. Jesus speaks against worry and anxiety because of the watchful care of a loving Heavenly Father who is ever mindful of our daily needs. So if you're praying in anxiety, you're not a doer of the word. Now I know that's harsh, but it's it's true. If you're praying with an anxious, praying with an anxious heart. Now I know that if somebody calls you and and, and says so and so needs prayer, they're in critical condition, or so and so needs prayer, they're about to lose their house, or so and so needs prayer, or I need prayer, or whatever, you know that can make you anxious at the time temporarily but don't stay in that anxiety he says be anxious for nothing but in everything whatever is happening at that particular time whether you're praying for yourself or somebody else by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving do it don't forget the thanksgiving part be a doer of the word let your requests be made known to God supplication is more than petitioning but suggests an intensity of earnestness in extended prayer, not to gain merit by many words, but to fully transfer the burden of one's soul into God's hands. Prayer and peace are closely connected. 
one who entrusts cares to Christ instead of fretting over them will experience the peace of God to guard him from nagging anxiety. That's what the next verse says, verse 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Thank God he put that in there through Christ Jesus. Peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Don't try to figure it out with your mind. It guards your mind. It guards your heart. Thank God. And what's the result? He tells us, don't think on the mess. Don't meditate on the mess, one minister said. Finally, brethren, verse 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, speak these things, mutter these things. Thank God. Thank God. He's given us the way to practice the word here. Praise God. Number three. Number three. And we ought to know this one. Give the word first place in our lives. Give the word first place. Proverbs chapter four. And verse 20. We know these verses Backwards, forwards, upside down, and in five different languages. But it's still part of practicing the word. Proverbs 4, and verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Pay attention. Pay attention. Give heed to his word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Right in the middle of your spirit. Right in the middle here. For their life to those that find them. And health. And the margin says medicine. To all your flesh. His words are medicine. Health to all your flesh. Keep or guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. The wellsprings of life. Give heed to his word. Pay attention to his word. Keep looking at the Word. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Don't let it depart. Keep looking at it day by day. As much time as you can spare, put it on it. Put it on the Word. Get it in the midst of your heart. It's the life and health to our flesh. Our heart has to be guarded, though, because out of it are the wellsprings. Out of it spring the issues of life. Praise God. Put it in there. Act on it. Look at it first. Give the word first place. I want to look at an Old Testament lesson here. This will help us. Because some people run aground on this. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Beginning with verse 11. We know this, this uh, opening too, but I want us to see something here. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 11. Note that the acts of Asa, first and last, are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. 
Yet, in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa rested with his fathers. And uh, you know what that means. He died. He died in the 41st year of his reign. He didn't die instantly. He died, you know, a couple years after this hit him. They buried him in his own tomb, which he had made for himself in the city of David. And they laid him in the bed, which was filled with spices and various ingredients prepared in a mixture of ointments. They made a very great burning for him. Now, what you want to see here is in, in uh, verse 12, in the 39th year of his reign, he became diseased in his feet. It was a malady that was severe. In his disease, he didn't seek the Lord. But the physicians. It didn't say he died because he sought the physicians. It said he died because he didn't seek the Lord. We've got to keep this into our, in our hearts so strong. You know, some people, you hear it every day almost. There's nothing left to do but pray. That's the wrong thing to say and it's the wrong way to act. We can't have that attitude. That ought to be the first thing that we do. It doesn't say don't go to the doctor. It doesn't say, you know, don't go to a hospital. It doesn't say don't consult with medical science. It doesn't say anything like that. It says he died because he consulted them first and didn't consult the Lord. We need to go to the Lord first. He may instruct you by the inward witness, to go to the doctor. You know, this happened a lot when we were raising our children uh, in Ohio and Pennsylvania most of the time. We had a, a, a good doctor there, a good family doctor, and he, he, you know, he had some associates in with him that were good. We trusted him with our family. If we needed him, he was there. There were times when, uh, you know, the first thing that popped into my mind was to go, you know, call the doctor. One of the kids get attacked with an earache or a fever or something else, some other kind of malady or whatever it was, call the doctor. But, you know, if we heed this, give the word first place, go to the Lord first. He'll tell us sometimes, don't go. This isn't a sickness that you need to go to the doctor. Or other times he'll tell you. Go ahead. You're going to need outside help with this. Might need an antibiotic. You might, might need something else. So we need to listen to the Lord first. He died, Asa died, not because he put the physicians first, but because he didn't put the Lord first. So we need to see this. We can't allow ourselves to be rushed into things. There's going to be times when we're rushed, you know, when we need to act fast. I understand that. We should ask first, what does the Word say? The Word says, listen to the leading of the Lord. Listen to the inward witness. Go to the Lord. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And pray. Pray. Finally, number four. Training our human spirits. The fourth step really uh, is the answer to all this. And it's, you know, the result of taking the first three steps seriously and doing the first three steps. But the fourth step is to instantly obey the voice of your spirit, your conscience. Why? Because if you do the first three and train your spirit properly, through the word of God, by the word of God, listening, 
then this will be a, your conscience, your, your inward witness, your inward man will be a safe guide. Some people were afraid because they don't know if, they're, if it's quote-unquote them or the Holy Spirit. Well, if you do these first three steps, meditating the Word, practicing the Word, giving the Word first place, your spirit will be a safe guide. Remember, your spirit is the part of you that's the new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. A new creature, the King James says. A new creation. All things have passed away, all things have become new. It's not your body that passed away. You know, you didn't get a new face or a new nose, or, or you might have a new disposition, but it's from your spirit. You didn't get a new mind, you have the same one. You have to keep training and, and studying and educating your mind. And your mind is a gateway to the spirit, but your spirit is a new creation. So it's, it's safe once it's trained. Follow the first three steps to get to this one. God communicates with us by our spirits because that's where he is. 1 John 4, 4 says it. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. His spirit is in us. That's where he lives. Our spirits can be built up. Like I said, they have to be built up. We didn't go from first grade to twelfth in one day or two days or a week. It took twelve years. That doesn't mean our spirits are going to take twelve years to build up. That's just an example, an illustration, but it takes time. We're in human imperfect vessels. So we need to be uh, patient, not to be rushed into anything. Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Being more spirit conscious means training our spirits. Training our spirits. And these are, this is the way to do it. Meditating the word, practicing the word, giving the word first place, and instantly obeying the voice of our spirits. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. We magnify you and we bless you. We thank you again, as always, for your word on every subject. We thank you for leading us to proper teaching in these areas, guiding us by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that we can hear that you're still speaking and we're still listening. Father, we thank you. Thank you for sending us another comforter. Another comforter who infills us and indwells us and leads us and guides us into all truth and teaches us all things and brings all these things to our remembrance, whatsoever we've heard, and shows us things to come. We thank you that he is our counselor, comforter, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, helper, teacher, and guide. Thank you that he's all those things. Thank you for leading us. Thank you that we are more spirit conscious in this time and hour that we live. And we'll stay that way as we stay and study and meditate the Word of God. Thank you, Father. We love you. We praise you and we bless you in Jesus' powerful and wonderful name. Amen. Praise God. If you're out there and you're listening to this in some form, and you say, well, I can't be led by the Holy Spirit. I don't have the Holy Spirit in me. I've never been born again. I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. No better time than now 
The Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And that goes back approximately 2,000 years. So if it was now then, it's certainly now at this point. So come to him. Pray this prayer with us. Jesus said in John 6, 37, If they come, I won't turn them away. I won't cast them out. So come to him. Repent of past sins. He'll forgive you. There's nothing you've done upon this earth other than rejecting Jesus that he won't forgive you of. Come to him. Pray this prayer with us. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. All those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Romans 10, 13. Pray with us today, if that's you. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, just as I am. Your word says if I come, you won't turn me away. You won't cast me out. Jesus, come into my life as my Savior, and I make you the Lord of my life. I repent of all my past sins, and I ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I'm now your child. I'm born again. Born from above. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to overflowing, and I'll speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives me utterance. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you for filling me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, get to a good church. A word-believing, word-teaching, word-living, word-doing church. Fellowship with believers of like precious faith. Study the word on your own. Get into a good devotional that you can read every day. Keep it before your eyes like the Bible says. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Speak it daily. Daily. Listen to teachers who are teaching the full gospel, whether it's uh, on TV, online, in person. Get to, a, as I said, get to a good church that's teaching the full word of God. Praise God. Amen.